Okay, so some some of you probably remember my Christmas tree dilemma that I, I yes. haven't taken down yeah, the Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, any updates? I wanted to give you an update. I didn't um, take it down. Thank it, you. I, okay, okay. And I think this All is right. important. It's mm-hmm. not a real tree. So, like, it's not a fire hazard. Okay. But what was a fire hazard was the wreath on the front door, which I had completely forgotten about. You don't use your front door often? <laughs> you don't have to answer that, Chris. <laughs> I'm not here to be bullied. I'm here to share the truth. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. So after we had this episode, it kind of came at me really fast. Like, oh, no, that's probably bad. That seems like a fire hazard. And I, I, I did decide I'm going to take the wreath off the front door. And I went to do it. And did it have Spideys I- in it? It didn't have spideys. The only comparison I can make is imagine like boiling a fish for like eight hours and then um, letting it cool and then pulling it out and how all the skin would just like slosh right off. Do I not know what a reef is? Yeah, I'm so confused right now. What I mean is like when I picked up, the, I lifted the wreath off its little um, hanger and immediately... All of the pines just oh. everywhere, all over me. So, what, so you're saying the pines are the me. skin of the wreath? Yeah, I think that's right. And then like yeah. the bones are like the, the wood of the, okay, the sure. wood. Yeah, that makes sense, right? No. What I'm trying to say is it took so long to clean up because it's guts. The wreath's like um, organs were just like all over my hands, all over the floor. Um, and, and then I just had this, like, this vision of, like, a single spark. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe the postman is, like, smoking a cigar or something. Yeah, he he does that. He, like, you know, (laughs) and then, like, as he drops off my mail, he turns around and he, like, he's done with his cigar, so he, like, throws it over his shoulder. And then just, like, my entire front of my house explodes. Well, I'm glad that didn't, that incredibly likely scenario didn't happen to you. Chris, so I yeah. often worry that um, the s- sort of service workers who come to my house are going to willy nilly throw uh, fiery objects at it, mm-hmm. um, just mindlessly. So I'm not the only one. No, yeah, no. no, you. I mean, you are the only one. Would you use a shop back or? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Justin Macro, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin Macro, I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best games, plural, of the week. My name is Ross Frustrating, I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. This is a video game club. Just by listening, you, my friend, have become a member. Special greetings to our uh, Patreon members. Uh, welcome. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show more than everyone else. <laughs> cool. What's that address where people can go to uh, join? Patreon.com slash the besties. Earn my love. <laughs> Buy Justin's love. Buy my love. It is affordable. You can also go to the newsletter at besties.fan, which is free. That's it's up to you. You don't get as much of Justin's love that way, but. Yeah, you get you, the my light. <laughs> my light still reaches <laughs> email subscribers. Right. It's dimmed. It is a dimmed yeah, version yeah. of my light. It is not the full. There's a veil over it. Um, to this week, we were talking about Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. Chris Plant, what's that? Deep Rock Galactic Survivor takes the Deep Rock Galactic multiplayer uh, adventure and says, let's make it single player and let's make it like Vampire Survivors. And let's have you bust in rock and stone. Rock and stone. We're back. I'm so excited. Uh, We're going to talk more about that right after this. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So, you know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. 
It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. I've played so much of this fucking game, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This game. This game, guys. This one oh. is uh this is a really good one. Can I try to tell people why it's a good one of these? Yeah. yeah. Is that, okay. So if you don't know the vampire survivors model, you're one person. Do we against, have a name for this freaking genre yet? Okay. I've heard lots of different uh search action game. Has that been taken? Yeah, let's call it a search action game. <laughs> <laughs> uh I I have not heard a good uh name name of this genre yet i know what auto shooters i guess would be oh i like i kind of like auto shooter it's like an auto shooter so you're you're it's one of these auto shooters you run around your your weapons are uh and this isn't universal actually but the weapons are firing on their own um so there's not a firing mechanism it is you running around trying to survive increasing hordes of enemies that is the uh, the the whole thrust of these overwhelming odds, uh, increasing weapon power and and energy and all kinds of upgrades and stuff. What makes this one really cool? There's there's several things, but I think the number one thing is you play as one of the classes from Deep Rock Galactic, which is a game about dwarven miners trying to to kill bugs and get stones, uh, get gems, <laughs> and uh. It, once you're in the level, it's an isometric point of view, just like all these uh, types of games are. But you are surrounded by uh, – there's lots of like rock formations all around you, walls basically. But when you pull up to one of these walls, you automatically start digging a tunnel through it. So that's useful because for starters, there's all kinds of gems in the walls that you can see. And you need them for upgrades. Uh, so, you, you know, you want to dig in to get some gold and you can use the gold to buy more upgrades. Uh, you can also use them after a run to upgrade your abilities permanently. Uh, but the more important part of it is that it allows you to when you're like got a horde of enemies, almost all these games, the one of the central things is you'll get overwhelmed and ha- have to try to sprint out of the group, try to find some place where you can find a little room to breathe. In Deep Rock Galactic Survivor, you dig through the walls and that allows you to basically create like choke points and bottlenecks you can lead enemies into, especially when you start getting like deployable weapons. Like there's a class that uses um, turrets. So you can lure uh, a whole horde of enemies uh, are after you. You dig into, you you know, where you see a little crevice uh, or, or place that you can stand and they will all pile into this hole with you, except you've set up all these turrets and stuffs to hopefully stand your ground and, and mow them down. It yeah. also allows you to, if you're overwhelmed, make a hasty exit when, when you need. Yeah. On that point in particular, th- the best moments I've had with this game are, I see this enormous crowd chasing after me. I'm totally cornered. I've got nowhere to go and I'm waiting because the AI in this game, and this is actually a good thing. The AI in this game is very stupid. Like they will follow you pretty much as straight a line as they can possibly follow you. And so what I've found is if you wait until the absolute last second, you can kind of make your break for it and like basically escape out the back end where the, you know, the tail of the giant horde is kind of finishing up. So you end up just like completely dodging them. But that tension of like waiting, 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 and then making your move feels so fucking good. But what's what's really what's great is it's not overpowered because there are so many things that are useful for you to collect and so many upgrades that are hidden in the walls mm-hmm. and in the alcoves and stuff. And there's, and each level has its own 
mini mission of like, you know, collect these sh- mushrooms or yeah. uh, dig out this this thing called Morkite. And so it's constantly tempting you to do dumb stuff. Yeah. Like it's constantly, hey, I mean, I know you're pretty safe over here. This is working pretty good and you're mowing down the enemies. But like, whoo, you should probably go over and uh, uh, go get those pearls. I know you need <laughs> pearls, right? Uh, and these are, it's it's level based, which is a lot of these aren't. Um, this is like a uh, five levels in increasing difficulty. The last fifth level ends with a big fight versus a big, uh, big creature that is kind of immune to walls. Basically, <laughs> it can leap yeah. great distances and and kill you pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think it it also benefits from the levels themselves having boundaries and they're procedurally generated, as far as I can tell. So you don't know where those boundaries are always going to be. And with that, what you're talking about, Fresh, of, you know, wait till the last second and dig a hole and then sneak out, like, right behind them. That is great, as long as you haven't already spent a ton of time digging. You kind of have to be strategic about how often and where you dig, because you can end up creating too many paths to give the enemy an opportunity. Or, if you're not paying attention to the map, you dig yourself a hole, like what Fresh is saying, and you're like, perfect, and now I sneak out the back. And then you sneak out the back only to find out that you are on a little tiny peninsula yeah. that's yeah. about to be swarmed by thousands of hungry uh, bugs. Uh, it, there's there's a, a degree of strategy here that I just did not feel when I played the original Vampire Survivors. And may, yeah. maybe that's changed, uh, you know, as that game has been updated so the- many times. But I, I really... Felt like, and this is probably fake, but I really felt like it was my skill that was doing this, not just some yeah. like mm-hmm. arbitrary. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I think this game exchanges, and it, it, it honestly, guys, it hasn't clicked with me. I think as much as it has for for y'all for this reason. I think it it accomplishes a lot with this like mining, burrowing, tunneling, routing sort of mechanic that I don't know that I've seen in a, a a game like this before. But I think in exchange, it loses a little bit of the like uh like o- overwhelming synergy sort of f- focus whereas like in vampire survivors it's very much about like okay this time i'm going all area of effect things and i'll pick up this item that boosts that and this item that advances this one like it feels less about sort of on the ground build crafting or maybe maybe this gets better as you sort of progress through the game cuz there's a ton I, of yeah, stuff you, I you actually, unlock as you go i wanted to address that in particular because my experience with this game is actually similar to what you're talking about early on. I -hmm. don't think the onboarding for this game is very good. And there's a few reasons why I think the early classes in particular don't like the first two classes you unlock specifically. There's something about the feel of it where you, where all the weapons are auto firing, which is pretty normal for this, but unlike vampire survivors, you're not getting this like constant hail of gunfire and it kind of loses a little bit of the like grippiness to it. The other issue that I ran into is you really can't succeed with these classes until you unlock, I think they're called like weapon mods or something. And the only way to unlock a weapon mod is to level up a single weapon up to level 12. Yeah. And you kind of burn a run getting a weapon up to level 12 so that future runs will have weapon mods. And that's not a good experience. Really, it should just be, oh, you get a weapon to six, you get a mod. You get it to 12, you get a mod. You should, there's that, it's just like too many layers of unlocking before you start feeling powerful. I mean, yeah, it's not that hard to do though. It's I mean, not hard. It just feels like a little bit wasting. Like I felt like I was wasting time. Oh, I got to burn a Wait, run. you're wasting. Okay, so this is all right. That's so <laughs> suspicious though, because this is a video game that you're playing. It's like not wasting. <laughs> it is wasting time. It's all wasting time. It's yeah, a video but game. you no. we, you know what we're talking about, right? We've we talked about it a lot last week with Final Fantasy. The idea that there's these open world areas that feel like genuinely like I'm just burning time getting through them. And I, that exists in video games, too. You can feel productive or not productive depending on how the game is built. I know what you mean because that was my number one complaint, big time, about Vampire Survivors. For me, I didn't mind this. So I, I, I completely agree with Griffin. Like, it's there. And it, for some folks, it's going to be a problem. I didn't mind it because in the first couple hours, I was so interested in learning about, like, the burrowing techniques hmm, yeah. that worrying about guns and builds and all that stuff just wasn't really where my head was at and I was fine. And by the time I really was like mega upgraded and starting to actually have to think about my classes because there, yeah, there are multiple classes 
you know, some that start with a focus on drones and and um, and sentries. Some that are, um, you know, more like basically you have to aim your weapon. Um, mm-hmm. So like really heavy artillery, but they only fire in one reliable way. And you you can kind of like subclasses raiding for those, each of yeah, those. the subclasses. Yes. Yeah, before you even start. Um, and I I found myself like having a lot more fun with that later. There are also more levels as you go, and those levels like add little twists. So. Um, there's one earlier on that is lava, and that means like certain parts of the ground and the stone that you crash through, you ca- you can go through it, but it's going to damage you. There's another one later on where um, it's thorns, and half the thorns are like basically like uh, dried out and um, desiccated, and you can carve through them pretty easily. But then there are red thorns that you can't carve through at all. So you end up having a situation where, like, some of the walls are kind of rebuilding themselves or some of the walls you just can't get through, and it's it's changing how you think about moving through the, the environment. The subclasses also, just to touch on, like, you have the four basic ones. So the subclasses really change how you play. Like, for example, the the gunner has one called Juggernaut, and Juggernaut's got the highest health, and it's got this thing where if you get hit, your damage uh, gets a 10% bump. And that stacks up to five times, but it's on a timer. So basically, you want to get hit enough to keep your damage multiplier really high. So you're like you're you're trying to balance that, like trying to keep a track of like how long has it been since I get hit. I don't want to lose my five damage stack, so I want to keep you know getting dinged so I can keep the the damage on. And then yeah, there are I other think, upgrades that go with that that like yeah. cause a like firebomb to go off when you get hit or – So that uh, is a case where it's like this time I'm going in heavy on defense, right? Because I know I'm going to have to take a lot of damage to keep my the, – the, uh, yeah. the multiplier up. Yeah, I, I've played a lot of these. We'll call them auto shooters. I like that. Uh, and it feels like thus far the ones that I've played have been gr- like Halls of Torment, probably my favorite out of all of these. But all of them have changed the Vampire Survivals model maybe like 10 or 20%. Yeah. They do not fully like reimagine how this game could work. This game in particular is like a dr- pretty dramatic change to the format yeah. such that it feels like a really new experience, which again, I think will appeal to some people and not. I think... After it took me about five hours to like have a successful run and like actually finish a run. And after that happened, I was like, okay, I have the whole loop. I understand it now. It feels good now. It did take, yeah, a while before it got there. But now that it's there, I'm, I'm pretty on board. I, with I it. will say, if you're maybe on the fence a little bit, uh, this is early access and they have said that there is going to be more of everything when they get to the 1.0 release, which is six to 12 months. And, it's and so I will say that to me, it is yeah, really so much very exciting. It's, it's, I will say this though, after playing eight hours, um, there's only three levels and the, each level that has like multiple hazard difficulties. Uh, and I am still getting new weapons. I just got a yeah. throwing ax that I what? have to, re- <laughs> that, you ha- that will automatically return to you, which is a lot of fun, but like, I'm still unlocking stuff, but, uh, it needs more. It needs more of everything. Uh, to, to, to really be able to stand with some of these, it's also like, it's cheap, right? It's like it's 10 dollars. Yeah. It's 10 bucks. Um, you know, which all these games nice. are pretty reasonable. I don't know if that's because like vampire survivors set this insane price point, like rubric to, yeah. for all of them to follow. But for ten dollars, this is a total fucking steal. Like that's, I will say, also a huge it, that I have never seen in one of these. The character is talking while you're playing. Yeah, uh, and there's a. I will say there's a lot of barks. Um, uh, you also is have it the a, character or is it like your your manager that's like telling you get you the like, manager that's talking like when you enter a level and right. will give you some updates like hurry up miner there's the oh oh I forgot to mention one of the key things the the. Level gets harder the longer you take to do it. Yeah. So when you've got the, the the big boss, you can't just run around collecting minerals and let him do his thing because the enemies are going to keep getting more and more difficult the longer it takes to to kill him. So you're up against the t- the time. And clock then you gotta time. after you kill the boss, you have to actually do like a sprint to the exit. Otherwise, you just die. Yeah. Uh, and, but the, the, your, your miner does talk about like upgrades and stuff that they get. There's not enough of them, you know, you hear them repeated, but there's also, you can press the Y button on to, to just 
shout about Rock and Stone, which <laughs> thank you. Very important. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Putting it on the front of the controller is so wild. Like yeah. you're not using the buttons, so I get it, but like it is the most prominent <laughs> pointless button I've ever seen in a video game. <laughs> that rules. Um, I, 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 for, for people who are considering this, I, I do think I'm fresh what you were saying uh, about it being a pretty significant change. I, I can see that if if you're like um, Griffin and Vampire Survivors specifically really stuck with you, maybe wait until the full release. But I, I think uh, especially if you were like me and Vampire Survivors just wasn't quite clicking, but you really want to try this genre, I, I don't think you're going to find a more enticing version than this. It's so I will good. absolutely pick this back up as, as it continues to get updated. Um it's it's really I will say this. I I love Vampire Survivors. I've played a bajillion hours of it. This feels more like a a video game. Yeah. Than yeah. where Vampire Survivors sometimes feels kind of like for a lot of it, like a lightly interactive It's like a screensaver practically. Idle game. <laughs> right. For, for you know, it's it's it, it ain't that tough. Um it, you can things can break bad pretty quick here if, yeah, <laughs> if you're not smart. You also um, I, the one thing I would also add is like it's the only game that I can remember in this genre where you actually really need to pay attention to the environment. We've talked about it a lot with the drilling and everything, but like I'm I was trying to think of other games in this genre where like I was genuinely using like walls and things as like a huge upside for how to like manage the environment. Whereas usually you just like laser focused on your character and the like circle of death that surrounds it. And that yeah. it's pretty simplistic, all things considered. So this definitely adds much more complexity. It really reminds me of like classic tower defense stuff. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're playing as the engineer class, which is sort of focused around uh, like place placements and uh, turrets and drones and stuff like that. Because you can just burrow yourself a long tunnel and drop a bunch yeah. of turrets along the way and then just sort of just chill. Yeah, just it felt it. really good. Yeah, great. I am very excited to talk about the next game we're about to talk about. Yes. Well, so, well let's we take a break take then. A break? Thank you. Well, there's no sense in waiting. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you you want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan or you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, 
Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I bought Bellatro yesterday. Am I saying it right? I don't think anybody knows how to say it right. I I think even the developer has said, I don't know if this is apocryphal. You don't know how it's pronounced. That's cool. I bought it yesterday and I played it, I think, all day. Uh, And I just realized it's on Switch. I had it on Steam Deck and then I realized it was on Switch, which I prefer to play. So I just bought it a second time on Switch uh, to have as sort of my off-court buddy. I I am all in pun intended on Bellatro. <laughs> I've never seen a game. I this is a weird one. This is one where like suddenly I was getting this game from like six different angles. Like six different vectors of people like you have to play Bellatro. There was a time when like I was playing Deep Rock Galactic Survivor and like I saw like my friends notifications on Steam. Like three different people like hey this person's playing Bellatro. Now this person is. Hey somebody <laughs> else is playing Bellatro. Uh um, wants to d- describe how it works. Griffin, you got that? Sure, I'll take a swing at it. So it is a deck-building poker roguelike. Uh, The main mechanic of it is that you have a hand. I think it starts off with eight cards. And uh, you have to build poker hands out of those, up to a max of five cards, because that's how poker works. Uh, The better hand that you play, the more chips that that uh, hand is going to earn when you play it. Uh, there is also a multiplier associated with each hand. So if you just play, you know, high card, it's just going to give you like 10 chips or something like that. If you play a straight flush, you know, it'll give you like 100 chips and a 10 times multiplier. And the point of the game is that each each round you have a basically what they call a blind, which is the score uh, you have to beat in a certain number of played hands. You also have a discard function to help you build those hands, but you only get a certain number of those two, right? So you take a look at your hand. You say, oh, I'm pretty close to a flush. I'll get rid of the cards that aren't a flush. Oh, okay, I got the flush. I'll play the flush and get my chips and my multiplier. That is the basic sort of mechanic. Uh, on top of that, there's like eight or nine layers of like deck building strategy that goes into it, the main hook of which are jokers. Uh, You can have up to five jokers uh, in your sort of inventory at a time. These aren't cards that you play. They are cards that sort of modify the the hands that you play or um, the the cash that you earn. There's a shop that you can spend that cash in that lets you buy new jokers and new cards and other stuff like that. Um, Those jokers, there's like a blue million of them. Um, and they can synergize in a lot of really wild ways. So, for example, there's one pretty straightforward, just adds plus four to your multiplier every hand that you play, just gives you a pretty static like bonus to your thing. Or you can get one that um, uh, makes it so that every face card that you play adds 40 chips to the thing that you play. And then there's also a joker that makes it so that every card you play counts as a face card. So you get those two going at the same mm. time and you're going to start generating like a shit ton of uh, of chips. Or there's one that makes it so that if you uh you know, if if you open up a booster pack, then you could potentially get an extra card with this joker. Like there are so many different effects that influence how you play. Uh, all kind of just feeding back into this very simple loop of of building poker hands. It has this uh, it has this great thing that I've not felt in one of these games where you're in a really good run, and sometimes you'll get like a few jokers that work together really well, uh, and you'll feel like you broke it. It's like, oh my god, I just got five times as many points as I needed to beat that guy. I'm like cruising. And then the game will catch up with you. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't figure out a cheat. This isn't – you're doing it as intended. It's just now you have to do something else because your you're 30,000 points that you were so excited about a couple rounds ago, it's not enough to cut it. So you better come up with another strategy quick. Um, I, that said, you can't definitely fucking crack this game wide open. Last night I had a run where I had a card that made every ca- a card count as a face card. Every played face card turns into a gold card which gives you extra cash at the end of the round. And then a card that uh, sort of gets rid of the special effects on the cards that you play and adds a permanent like times multiplier uh, to your multiplier so that by the end of the game, 
every hand that I played was like times 100 multiplier and I was in like the six digits uh, just destroying the entire game and I breezed through that run, which is like absolutely my shit in a in a roguelike like this uh and i have i will say i've also lost many runs following that one trying to rebuild the yeah the, the glory <laughs> yeah, of yeah, that yeah. one but you cannot you can't lean on you, you get these things called planet cards which boost the like score that you earn for each hand so there's one for each different hand so jupiter for example if you play that it permanently increases the the uh the score that you get from playing a flush so then you're like all right i'm going Hard on flushes. Going to just chase flushes as much as I can. Uh, and then you will miss one flush and be completely boned. Yeah. Uh, or, it, or you get – there's a lot of times where you think, well, God, I've got a, I've got a full house. I mean, I've got four of a kind. That's pretty common. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got a straight flush to the ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, that'll, that'll, happen. that'll happen. And you play it. It's like, I what the hell? I got more points from that two, that pair, that the two <laughs> pair that I played. Well, yeah, you leveled up the two pair and your heart – is actually a, a diamond and it counts as double. And it's like the, the hands of poker pretty quickly, like uh, are, it is, it is not as important as, as you might think. Let, let me ask you, I haven't played this yet. I'm yeah. looking forward to playing it. it. Sounds extremely my shit. Is there a um, between games sort of meta game at play where you're like unlocking features as you complete runs? Things yes. like that. So there are different decks uh, and that uh, basically all that that means is you will have like a small bonus to start out. So the, I think the deck you start out with is the red deck and all that means is that you get one extra discard, uh, mm. per, per round. Got um, it. but then those decks also get very wild where there's one where, uh, you can hold an extra joker card. You can hold six joker cards, but you get one less hand, per thing uh there's also like interest so if you don't spend your your money between rounds uh you will accrue more uh or there's a deck that makes it so that you get money for each uh hand and discard that you didn't play in each round like so so there's lots of stuff like that there's also basically achievements that you earn um and those achievements can be things like you know play an entire game without playing a three of a kind or without playing a flush mm -hmm. uh and for each one of those that you beat you unlock a new joker to to that you mm -hmm. will start seeing in your runs got and it again i i i, I want to look up the exact number of jokers because it is obscene there are there are so 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 many of them um so yeah there is a there is a shit ton of stuff they to, also all look unlock. really cool. Like a yeah. lot of the jokers, like yeah. as you start to get into weirder and weirder ones, there's one that looks like a business card. There's one that look like like any kind of card you can think of, like movie tickets, whatever. Um, they all have a really cool style. And also, I, I tell you what's really surprised me about this, and Plant, you kind of touched on it. It tells you basically what's going on, but it throws concepts at you with like not a lot of setup. Like the idea, yeah. like I started encountering mentions of planet cards before i had any idea what a planet card is it throws a lot at you it just like it just kind of works like it, yeah. it, it is weird how quickly you grok it considering how much is is going on there's 150 there's 150 jokers i looked up the the number jesus of them, which yeah it's it's yeah it's a lot I, I think what you're talking about, Justin, works because as as many ways things can go wrong, there is as many ways for things to go right in surprising ways. And because of that, you can have these what would be learning runs in so many roguelikes, right? Where you it's like, oh, I, I discovered what that was in Spelunky and it killed me. Um, but here, I, while I was learning about, you know, the tarot cards or the planets, I would stumble into really good runs without even knowing yet how the game works, yeah. and then and then learning from that. So an example and I unlocking is, shit as you do as you like. Even if you have a failed run, you can still unlock like four or five chokers right, just from right. goofing around. So like I I had a run where I, the logic to me seemed like oh I I want to store aces and clubs in my hand when when I basically I want to like play hearts and diamonds and then if i store clubs and aces if i only have clubs and aces in my hand i have these joker cards that give me a multiplier a multiplier for everything right and then i kind of accidentally stumbled uh and picked a a completely opposite it seemed to me at the time joker card which added a multiplier whenever i spent a uh club or a spade and 
what I realized was, oh, wow, now no matter what I put down, I'm in great shape. I can create a scenario where I am playing all these hearts and diamonds, and that is one strategy. But then once I've stored up all these spades, I can then play a flush. Each one of those cards is its own multiplier. And then I like explode with more points from a completely different strategy. And I, I feel like so often in roguelikes, it's like if you divert from what seems like the obvious strategy, you're just immediately doomed. And here, again, there's just so much room for creativity that things that seem like they would be in conflict are actually like in harmony. I think hmm. the thing that works so well for this game for me is having to balance greed in terms of like setting up that incredible synergy. You can you can get it to a point where like you have a joker that just gives you like 200 chips and then you have a joker that adds 10 to the multiplier and then you have a joker that multiplies the multiplier times 3 and then you could just play high card 2 and win the mm-hmm. round because you are just getting so much shit from your jokers that it, it can just carry you all the way through the game. But it is also like sometimes you'll see a joker in the shop where it's like, okay, that's not building to that dream synergy, but it's going to give me a little bit more consistency maybe as I build towards it. Or it's going to generate more cash flow for me to have more money to spend in the shop. Or you know, it, it is going to set me up for a more conservative run. And having to kind of like balance that out uh, is such a, such a fascinating wrinkle. Uh, in 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 this in this genre, um, I I have I think beaten like three or four runs now. I am like obsessed with this game, uh, and I am I, I I don't think I've even unlocked like ten percent of the stuff that there is to to see. So I'm I'm thrilled that it's uh, I don't know it came out of nowhere. Do you guys know why it's called that? No, I haven't. I haven't played this game, but since I haven't played it, at least I can contribute something. In ancient Rome, a bellatro was a professional jester or buffoon. Bellatrones were paid for their jests, and the tables of the wealthy were generally open to them for the sake of the amusement they offered. Hmm. Okay. There you go. Great. Old-timey jester. All right. Thank you. This Um, game sounds dope. Uh, I'm definitely it's fucking Russ. You're gonna lose your mind when you get it's, to it's it. absolutely unreal. It it feels like dangerous. Like the second I finish my first run and every run after that, my first thought is, well, I'm gonna try one more. I'm I, I think <laughs> yeah. I can do. I think I can do better than that. I I see what went wrong there. Uh, I I remember when Plant mentioned it and it sounded cool, but it's also like oh, you know, like poker roguelike. And I looked at it on Steam and I was expecting like maybe 300 reviews or something. And when I looked at it, it had like 8,000 reviews. And now it's sitting at almost 10,000 reviews at 97% on Steam. It is becoming like kind of a thing, which is really exciting because it came out of nowhere for me. I did want to mention, because this is kind of like a subgenre at this point. It's not really like um, like Solitarica or what's the other one that you mentioned? Sword and Poker? Was that? Yeah, that's what I thought it might have been like. Yeah, it's not really an. It's not like a role-playing game. It sounds like, like that's a poker the, game, but with variables that like no, make it. No, well, it's not even a poker game, really, right? It's like, um, it's about the math and the meta of building out a deck that is like working together and sure. less about like, like with an RPG, they as, like in Solitaire or whatever, you have these where you like can spend currency to upgrade. And this is not like when you're in the shop, you're not just like spending coins to get better. You're having to make really deliberate choices mm-hmm. about what kind of run you're going to have. It's like it's like part of the meta. It's not so all it's, good stuff. What you're talking about, is, it sounds more like Slay the Spire, no? Uh, yeah. Slay yes. the Spire is a, is a better – but this is deeper in a way, right? There's like – the, the the variables that you're adding on here are so much bigger and more consequential – than all than any like card or upgrade you could get in Slay the Spire because yeah. like one thing can change like can pull everything together in a way that makes you unstoppable. Right. That sounds awesome. Um, play Bellatro. Uh, I have one complaint about Bellatro. I uh, do, I do have to mention sometimes, and this is like maybe this is just luck of the draw or whatever, but you do have to kind of have a a concept for your deck for what you're building. You have to have an idea of what you're doing, and that can happen as you play. Um, it's kind of a bummer that when you run into one of the like boss bosses, they will have these weird rules, like none of your clubs will count, Mm. or you can only play one hand or 
uh, other stuff. And sometimes one of those can stop a run in a way that feels kind of unfair. Like I've been having to hyper-focus on this strategy and I just kind of got like the bum luck of having the one boss that will cancel out my whole thing. And that feels like a bummer. It It doesn't feel great. Yeah, It feels like I don't even have a shot at it. Do you think the reason is because they want to encourage people to make more diverse decks than rather than just having one like ultimate solve? Well, the the counter for it is that when you start a new, the, the sort of rounds of the game are called antis. When you start an ante, there's three like matches that you're going to do. There's the small blind, the big blind, and the boss blind. And you can see all the rules for the three of them sure. as you look, start into the ante. So the idea is, I think, you like look at what the boss blind is. And if it says something like, uh, you know, hearts won't count, right. maybe you look at your heart-based jokers and think like, okay, I've got two... I've got two rounds here to try and uh, shift things just to try and survive. There are also some cards that you will unlock that will allow you to, like, change the uh, the boss blind or nullify it in, in, in some You also way. have the option to skip blinds. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah, so you can get sort of – if you don't want to play a blind, you can just skip it. You won't get the cash for uh, for doing that, but you can get these things called tags, which are like little little bonuses, and they can be they can be pretty good. They can be all right. I I don't think I've ever done it once. It seems like maybe that's a bit of an advanced strategy. Maybe I mean, maybe you sitting... would do that if you feel like, oh, there's no way I would be able to handle this blind that they're throwing. At me. Or, well, I think more if if you get in that situation, you're probably fucked because you can't yeah. skip the bo- you can't skip the boss blind. But I think the idea is more like if you are sitting pretty cash wise. And you don't necessarily need sure. Like you are not so reliant on the shop. Uh, maybe you can you know get these other sort of uh, additional benefits that are a bit outside the purview of the other upgrades that you can explore. Um, cool. No, this game this game sounds dope. I'm gonna check really it out. Uh, we have some reader mail, including maybe the longest letter I've ever gotten as part of reader mail, but I think it's worth uh, reading because I found it really interesting. Uh, this letter uh, was in the newsletter. It comes from Josh Schoenbachler. I thought I would provide some context as a game developer who previously worked on an online live service game. This is regarding um, specifically Helldivers 2. We had had that conversation last week about the fact that like the servers weren't running and whether there was a, like an excuse for why the servers weren't running or versus not and, uh, you know, that discussion. Okay. First, just because the game is published by PlayStation doesn't mean they got a shitload of money from from them slash funded the servers. They probably had a funding agreement of some sort, but it's not a blank check. This game is cross-platform, which means they aren't using PlayStation servers. They are likely using a cloud service like uh, Amazon Web Services. That gets super expensive, and when you're launching a game, you try to you have to talk about capacity and peak users. The fact that they planned for 200,000 peak users when the first game was only around 6,000, in my opinion, is quite ambitious. Uh, 30 times higher than the previous peak. If Sony is only subsidizing server costs, this is still an independent developer, so any extra costs they have to put up are putting the company more at risk. Second, the engine that they're working on was the same one they previously built games in, but it is a really bad game engine. This is the the opinion of the uh, writer. Uh, that was discontinued five years ago due to how bad it was. <laughs> their engine choices are ultimately their choice, so I know it can be hard uh, not to fault them, but knowledge of an engine sometimes trumps the usability of newer ones. That's certainly true. People are already trained up in an engine. That being said, they've stated that their backend code for server management login wasn't scalable at that size, meaning the $700,000, uh, 700,000 users they were getting. And they were running into technical limits with the servers they were using. So there is a bit more to it than just buy more servers or increase the server number to 200,000 to 1 million, for example. Sorry for going on a rant here. I know the point that we were making was ultimately being pro-consumer. And I very much share that sentiment. But I've seen a lot of frustrating discourse around this game where people don't really understand the intricacies of the situation or just straight up have no sympathy for the dev team or fully fault them. Not saying that's your opinion. Uh, I just, I think they are truly suffering from success, but are doing a fantastic job of patching the game and fixing up the experience uh, so as many people can play it as possible. And for what it's worth, this is an afternote from me, Russ Frustic. Uh, the game works great now. I have not run into any server issues. Not saying that like a patch won't come out and break the whole thing again, but thus far over the course of like the last five days, it's been running really, really well. Anyway, I read all that mostly just to like provide some context from someone who's actually worked in this space. 
uh, and can give some insight into like how these sorts of things happen. It is. Uh, but, it is interesting. I can't think of another game that has over over succeeded like past its expectations that anybody would have expected as much as this one. Maybe Baldur's Gate three, but that's not so much a uh, you know it, that doesn't have online multiplayer servers. Yeah, and even they to, weren't to able to keep about. the keep the uh, save cloud stuff working. Yeah, uh, for Baldur's Gate three. That so is fair. They even I, ran into it. I think they've handled it marvelously. I mean, just since we recorded, I think one of the studio leads came out and was like, don't buy it if it's like all the money you got. Like, don't spend all your money on it. Just wait till it's working better. I hate yeah. the mm-hmm. idea that people are buying it if they can't play it. They, Which, like, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to all that, and, and I'm sure that everyone on there is like, you know, busting their humps to make it playable they, they actually I'm, I'm, said there were only four people on the engineering team specifically charged with like ensuring server cap mm-hmm. uh it's a very small studio relatively small studio mm-hmm. and it was four people like non-stop days and nights basically say, they, getting they've had a rough one um, yeah hey, sure. yeah i mean hopefully the bonus comes their way <laughs> for sure absolutely i do just want to mention that like the people that bought it had to do difficult jobs to earn their money as well. Yeah, right? no, I'm just saying. So it's like, I, th- I think it's I, impressive that they were able to fix the issue so quickly as well. For sure. 100%. Uh, 100%. I just never want to get to a point where I, I have seen throughout, I've been doing this for a long time, and it is weird to me the the regularity with which people, people who play games will be upset about a, a, a practice or a situation and then eventually it just becomes de rigueur and no one's like throwing their hands up about it anymore, which is like absolutely fine. I just want to keep highlighting that like if you buy something, you should be able to play it when you buy it. I think that makes sense. There, I, we I, have I, people I, who have done early access like build ups for this reason, right? To prevent a situation like this. Yes. Um, I think I think what what the letter is getting at is that things are complicated. I actually think people are getting better. I don't think anybody like again with like a Call of Duty, I don't think you see nearly the apologies um on either side. Oh, 100%. A, and There's and, and no... I I think that I think this is my hope is that the audience in general is becoming more aware of what to expect. I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I think empathy should go both ways to some extent. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think that's a good and I am fully. Yeah. I am way more willing to extend that empathy towards an independent studio mm-hmm. uh, than I am like I don't know, like Blizzard when Diablo Four launches and has server issues. It's like really, guys. You should. You sh- I understand that there's issues there too, but. This is the fourth fucking Diablo I, game, at the very least, that y'all have made. You should. I, I think it's it's worth mentioning also that like this this game, like they are frustrated too. I'm sure because yeah, it must feel fucking terrible to be a victim of your own success and have a, have like feel like your moment is maybe mm-hmm. passing a little yeah. bit. Which I kind of feel like a little. There's a lot coming out. I don't know. I, we'll see if the heat stays on. Now that everything's, I like mean, every night I check, like it's not like peak peak numbers, but they're still at like hundreds of thousands of peak concurrence. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm I'm glad. I don't think I, there's um, much competing with I, it right I, now. In I terms played of yesterday with Griffin and Trav. Had a great time. It's, it's great. awesome. I do want to say fun. one more thing about it, and this is an important note for a lot of people. There was a mention of the the engine being bad in this, and I think that is a great. This game is a great representation of what true mastery over an engine results in. Now, I'm not talking about the server stuff. Obviously, it was an issue. But in terms of like the actual gameplay when it's working, which it now is, this game is representative of what someone can do or an entire team can do when they know an an engine inside and out. And holy shit, this game looks gorgeous, is fucking fun as hell, has all sorts of crazy shit going on, runs very smoothly. And uh, so even though it is a discontinued engine, it fucking cruises. I've uh, so. never, it's, it's built in Autodesk Stingray, once <laughs> called BitSquid. Uh, Classic. Uh, yeah. Which ne- I've never heard of before. Yeah. Okay, we got one more question here. This one is from Will. Hello, besties. I have been granted the green light to teach a video game class in my school. It meets for 13 weeks for one hour a week, and it's called Video Game Genre Study, Platformers. 
where I get to teach them all about 2D and 3D platformers by playing through the sum of the games. I have my Switch and PS5 to work with. What games and series do I teach them? I'm thinking the Mario series, Mega Man series, and Sonic series would be included, but what games specifically should I include to be representative? Uh, what do y'all think? If you were teaching a course on platformers, uh, what would you what would you focus on? I would focus on Super Meat Boy. I was going to say like, Super Meat Boy also. Because I feel like it's – because of the distillation of it, right? You see exactly the compo- – it is it is as bare bones as it needs to be to, be, to get across the ideas. Um, and I think that that would – if I was teaching something that like – I feel like the elements of it, the structure of it would be a lot easier to unearth with Super Meat Boy because it is so mechanical. It is like just you versus the level. I I would also recommend um I wanna maker, which is um the like <laughs> that the gotcha, that sounds so much worse. It's like the Mario Maker version of uh I wanna be the guy, which is a very um basic but uh, exciting and difficult pl- like very classic platformer. And I think having a way for people to actually create their own um platforming levels is kind of key if you're wanting to dig into that. I think you could also use something like Little Big Planet, but uh, a 2D, again, very retro um, platform maker is probably going to be much easier. You could also do Super Mario Maker, but like I imagine Super Mario is already going to have a pretty cushy place in any curriculum. It would be really interesting, I think, to teach your way through Super Mario 64 and then go to Odyssey and see like the the ways we've like learned how to deal with being in 3D space better cuz I mean, even I mean 64 is great you know but it's obviously contending with a lot of like how little we understood about moving around in the 3D space at that point mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, the, i think celeste ab- should should be in yeah. consideration just for being maybe the most mechanically like tight and satisfying 2D platformer ever made um i i i would definitely i would definitely push for that one and then you get into stuff like what what sort of side stuff like do you want to get into this the two D platformer search action genre of a of a Super Metroid or a you know a, yeah my immediate a, thought was Ori in the Blind Forest I think is a really oh, great yeah. representation of both platforming and light combat and how uh, powers sort of evolve a platform experience uh, there's yeah a ton of ways you can kind of go with it um, sounds like a cool class yeah yeah I take it. Learn we something. have any uh, honorable mentions to talk about? I've been playing uh, Elden Ring again after watching the Shadow of the Erd Tree trailer. I realized I haven't really played it since launch, which was two years ago. Um, I think was it two years? Almost ago? exactly two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, uh, two years ago. Uh, and yeah, I figured you know it'll take me a while to get through <laughs> Elden Ring if I just sort of play it a little bit here and there, which I'm sort of planning on doing. The uh, DLC appears to be like. I mean, you have to be pretty far into the game to even access it, as is sort of usually the case with Soul stuff. And, uh, you know, when this drops in June, I don't know that I'm going to feel like, you know, sitting down and powering through, uh, you know, 30 or 40 hours or whatever just to get to the the DLC stuff. If you have a leveled character, maybe you have like a new game plus, but the save is very early. I think you could probably get to the point of where the DLC is in about an hour. Uh, What are you basing that on? If you like beeline it. Uh, based wait, on... wait, wait, Russ, what are you basing that on? Uh, because I know exactly where you need to go to start the DLC and what the prereqs are. Oh, cool. They've already said. Uh, oh. so... Man, it's really a bummer. I, I, I'm I, so conflicted about the, the, the whenever a Souls game gets DLC like this because, like, I, I do not remember anything, right? So I'd have to time it to where I play enough of it that I remember what all the things are but you're not do. sick of the but game. i'm not like sick of it where yeah. i want to play more of it what was the last one that was what did bloodborne have it, bloodborne did have dlc that's that was the one it was like so hard that it was like not even that it, early i think for me. Fucking hard. i think dark souls 3 be, also had really hard dlc that's well. maybe the one i'm thinking of i think this will be better because it is one large chunk of dlc and they've said they're not currently planning on more dlc for this game so yeah. they basically poured the last whatever two years into making this one giant piece 
Yeah. And they're selling it for forty dollars. So at that point, it's kind of they are also in- Horizon is the one I was thinking of. Remember when Horizon released that winter oh, yeah. theme DLC, sure. and it's like instantly like there's a hundred thousand mechanics in this game. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. them all? Let's go. Uh, they also have announced that the DLC will incorporate sort of Sekiro style character progression, where in Sekiro your character became stronger by defeating bosses, and so there will be a bit of a level playing field. Like obviously, if you're you know soul level a billion like you will have an easier time than somebody who's starting fresh um but it sounds like for the dlc like everybody is going to be kind of progressing in in strength uh yeah. at just about the same rate as they play through which i think is very which is i think pretty cool um because yeah that's great not, it's not especially fun to just like power through um you know a game like that okay well um just, i want to hear else? about writers of justice heck yeah man Riders of Justice is uh, um, a Mads Mikkelsen picture, but by, in I mean that in the old timey way that people used to refer to pictures, where the you talk about the actor who was in them, but he didn't direct it or anything. Although um, he acts in it, which is not nothing. <laughs> this is about a guy who's former uh, former military, and his wife is dies in a train accident, like a subway accident. And his daughter is also on the subway, but she is unharmed. Uh, He is at home. He is grieving. And two guys who are technical experts uh, who have focused their careers on like statistical analysis of crime come to him and say, this wasn't an accident. This was a deliberate hit on a mob boss. And your wife was just like caught in the crossfire. So it becomes about him. And these guys who are just sort of like tech dudes, like computer guys, uh, basically like banding together to get revenge, basically on this this uh, this biker gang that did the 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 crime. That is like the top level view of it, and it is ostensibly an action movie. And if you watch the trailer, it was very much an action movie. Uh, but as you watch, it's first off like really, really funny. It's hysterically funny um, and so well performed and 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 written. Uh, but it's also really moving. It's really about what this quest for vengeance means to a dad and a daughter that are are grieving, and like what can revenge fix and what can it not fix, and is it even worth? pursuing that and uh, that the, all these like big questions that it's asking um it is not in english there are you can listen to it with english vo i guess but uh i would not recommend it because mads mickelson is a good actor and the other people in it are good actors too so you should probably just hear the acting they did and read the words um, i thought he was from chicago no yeah no he actually he is not uh-huh. uh, uh anders thomas jensen is the writer and director of this movie, I've never seen anything else he has made because he doesn't make English movies, and I am a huge English stan. <laughs> <laughs> I, he wrote the um, screenplay for The Dark Tower, so we don't we don't love that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't, we don't <laughs> feel great about that. But this is way better. Yeah, that that that's a tough assignment, you know. Like that's uh, tough. That's tough. There's a lot of things to it out there. Yeah, I um I love this current era of Mads films where he seems to do things that would be direct to video um in the US but then uh makes them uh in in his actual country and they're like infinitely better and richer and more thoughtful um but then end up on, you know, a streaming service with a, a box cover that looks like a generic yes. director. It looks know, like a, 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 as they call them, geezer teasers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like a geezer teaser. Looks like Bruce Willis is going to come in for the first five minutes and be like, here's your mission. I'm going to leave till the end. But no, it is a really, it's an excellent movie. And it, and it, and it, it does not go like it starts to feel a little gross because it's in a lot the same mold as a lot of these like action, revenge, hard boiled. It's it's so much more than it it seems like it is. That rules. Cool. Um, Riders of Justice. I saw. I think it's on. I don't know about on Apple Store. I think. I, I think still, it looks on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Sorry, it's on Hulu. I'm still okay. working my way through. Um, like a dragon, infinite wealth. I, I think I'm getting pretty close to the end. How's of that it going game. over there? <laughs> I just I love where this you game at? So no much. spoilers. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything. I, I just, I really, really adore this game. It really is like four games in one. Two of them are full, just Yakuza games. I, 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 there's an argument for you literally do the entire game all over again with this game, uh, which could be a, a diss, but for me has just been a delight. Um, I really want to do a spoiler episode about this sometime down the line. Maybe we can figure that out. Um, the other thing that I have really, really, really enjoyed, and I really want all three of you to check this out, uh, on Crunchyroll, it's a show called, um, I, I, I wish I knew how to pronounce it, Freiren, or it's F-R-I-E-R-E-N, and it's Freiren Beyond Journey's End. And it is about a um, a spellcaster mage who, in the first episode, has completed the ten-year quest and uh, is like departing from her group. And then um, by the end of the episode, this is not a spoiler because the rest of the series builds on this. A chunk of that group is dead because so much time has passed because she can live for so much longer than any you know human. Um, so the, the story is really about her kind of living this very unusual life where time means nothing to her and everything to everyone she meets. Um, and large, large chunks of time can just kind of like fade away between episodes. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's wild. It's such a cool idea to make a show that is not about adventuring, but is about, time and i mean it really is um oh my gosh ozymandias the tv show of how whatever deeds you do whatever the most important thing was can become so completely irrelevant um once you're gone uh and yeah it's fantastic and it's heck yeah man i can't wait to fire this shit up you know me <laughs> so well hell yeah dude hell yeah dude. Oh, okay also there's just some like there are some sick action sequences there's some really... Oh, but they won't matter once we're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> uh, I realize my taste might be a little more niche than I thought. I really want you three to watch this. Because <laughs> I don't enjoy you <laughs> as people. <laughs> and I've just met you now. <laughs> I'm starting to see that maybe I, I'm, I'm misjudged. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I uh, as I alluded to I've been playing more Helldivers 2 I do want to mention one quick thing on Helldivers 2 right now there's an event going on where you're, uh, the humans or I guess Super Earth is supposed to defend a bunch of planets from a robot incursion the problem is there's a mission on those planets where you basically just stand at the top of a big mountain and kill 175 or so giant robots as they storm the thing and it ended up being a huge XP churn for people to like level up extremely fast. But what's funny about that is people keep quitting in the middle of the campaign after they get their XP. And it's causing the whole campaign, like the whole meta game that's going on, to fail miserably because the robots effectively keep winning because all these people keep quitting in the middle of an operation. <laughs> so there's an amazing meta game going on where the robots continue to like push their lines forward just because people are grinding out XP. And I think that's fucking incredible. Uh, hey, quick note on Helldivers 2. Uh, it really needs mounts. So if you guys could like put in hover bikes they as are, soon as you're done fixing the servers. I'd they are actually working on mechs. It was in one of the trailers. There will be mechs. I don't know how fast they're going to be, but mechs are included. Also, the original game did have other vehicles. So... I've been told, I think it was Trav that Travis has been playing a lot of this. I think he said that as you get, or maybe it's Griffin, that like as you get into harder difficulties, there's not this like long gap. There's no downtime kind of in the higher difficulties. It's all fucking intense sprinting. So yeah, no, it, it gets pretty fucking hairy. The other thing I'm going to mention, we talked about that we were going to bring it up, but I do want to like address it. So I think we've pretty much all been continuing to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We're not going to give any spoilers or anything like that. I think the general consensus among us is that our opinions haven't dramatically changed based on the first episode recorded. So if you listen to that, I would say we'd probably be echoing a lot of the same beats. But obviously, if you're a huge Final Fantasy fan, you're going to get what you're looking for out of this experience. But also, 
uh, I will, there might still I, be some pacing issues. Too. I have to put an asterisk on that, and I know we're going to return to it, but like I hit a segment after we recorded that episode that that literally, I mean, I think four hours of like very lightly interactive material. Like it was, yeah. There's a there's some slower friggin' slog. Yeah. So just be mindful of that if if you're uh, not a fan of just like watching long series of cutscenes, and there's a lot of that for what it's worth. More so than the first game did. And doing boring things. I could do with the cutscenes because I can make sandwiches during those. I think we've made the point. The game is out Mm. now. Like, everyone can play it. So you can definitely make your own opinion. And please write in uh, on the newsletter comments or anywhere else uh, and let us know uh, how you're feeling about it. Plant, can you recap the games? Yes, I would be happy to. This week we talked about Deep Rock Galactic Survivor, uh, Balatro. Helldivers 2, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, and Elden Ring. We also talked about the film Writers of Justice and the anime Freiren, uh Beyond Journey's End. Cool. I want to thank the following patrons at the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thebesties. We have Jalen Rupp. We have Katharina. Maybe Katarina, but I'm going to say Katharina because that's how it's spelled. G. Willad. Uh, Jack O'Feef. And Sozetta Slow, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you to everyone else who has supported the show. Obviously, we can't list everyone, but we greatly, massively appreciate it. Uh, We're going to be having our next Bracket Battles episode going up that is on the uh, best first levels in video games. That's going up the first week of March. And then we've got Resties coming at you, two episodes of Resties coming in March as well. So appreciate all the backers and uh, always happy to have more. We appreciate all of your support. You keep the show alive. First week, first week of March. That that's like in like four days. That's when that episode's going to go live. It's it's going live soon. Yeah, it's the first Tuesday in March. It'll go up. So, so yeah, get pumped. just a few days from now. Yep. Can't wait. Those are so fun. All right, what are we doing next time? Unicorn Overlord, we're Dex, here. Can't, this can't be right. Was this Unicorn Overlord? Decision? We're here. We did I didn't it. know we... what to say in his response. This is the game from Thirteen Sentinels team, and it's I guess like Final Fantasy Tactics meets Thirteen oh Sentinels my... or something. Oh my god! I just uh, you so don't you never oh. know, man. I'm That's looking true. at images, guys. I just oh no! I was just looking at screenshots. My driver's license updated to unlovable. It says <laughs> uh, unable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe Juice and I will play something else. <laughs> no, no. Okay, we'll play this They make some of the best games. Also, you like tactics games. This is a thing that you I like. I do like tactics games. That's true. <gasps> oh, my also, God. Y'all like Fire Emblem. <laughs> you like Fire Emblem. I love Fire Emblem. That's true. Yeah, so you're going to like this game. I can't wait for all of you to be eating shoes next week. It's going to be great. <laughs> I would hey, rather. Man, I, I'm gonna, I ain't eating no shoes. I'm down for Unicorn Over. Thank you. Thank you, Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> and it just feels like someone making antivitam for me this is like this is just <laughs> systematically uh okay listen this is still the besties and we're gonna get through this together and i want to thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast and be sure to join us again next week for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games Steve.